SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There are 24 hours in every day. 1,440 minutes. 86,400 seconds. And we still have trouble squeezing all this glorious sports talk in. Have you thought about maybe sleeping less? This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Live from Sin City. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing. Away we go from Vegas, Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Ryan Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Adam Burke, ATS.io is going to join us in hour number one. Vinny Maliulo will check in in hour number two. We got a lot of cool stuff on the docket for you. Glad to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Series 204. We'll take you right up to 4 o'clock Eastern time when Scott Farrell will jump in. Our producer, Chris Pavone, is hanging out back in New York. Uh, must be a big day. What, what's wrong with you? You got a collared shirt on. I wear collared shirts occasionally. What are you jumping on me for? Well, you clean up pretty good. Man, I'm tired. I'll tell you that. Work work till midnight and then watch the uh, night's replay. Watch the flurry be a stone wall uh, until like 2 in the morning. Woke up, what, at 8 o'clock. How's the injury wars treating you? Don Bass. A lot uh, of stuff. I mean, injuries. The one thing we talked about, if you, even if you want to say it in hockey, uh, per se, with this truncated schedule and the playing and playing and playing, I mean, injuries happen every season. It's a nasty sport, man. These guys are going 35 miles an hour in opposite directions. You know, and a lot of the guys kind of skate by guys. But when they decide to hit you, believe me, it ain't fun. And that's why the Stanley Cup is a war of attrition. But the injuries are going to start to rack up, I think. There's, they already have. And, they but already I wonder have. if not more so, and I remember saying this before the season, an 82-game season, this is a 56-game season. But might the 56-game season, because of the series nature of it, the way they're playing, and the constant every other day, if not back-to-back games, more back-to-back games, if the 56-game season would not actually exact more of a toll on these guys than a normal 82-game season? I, I think, think that's a fair question. I think for a number of factors, it is. The, again, when you go on a road trip, you're in your hotel room. You're, you're not, you don't get to go out and do anything. And, and I think the mental aspect of that is exhausting. Um, and then, uh, be, because it's a, a shorter schedule, every game means more. Therefore, the intensity is ratcheted up a little earlier, right? Nor- normally, we wait until January or so. Um, I-, I would say every game at the at the very beginning of this season, it was kind of pond hockey for maybe a week or two. Okay. After that, it it's Here, exactly what you were saying there. Where you're going with that? I was thinking the exact same thing in that. This has been one of these weird things early on where the teams 
not become friends with the other guys, but they're all going through the same thing. But then when it heats up and ratchets up, I wonder if more guys aren't prepared for the hits and the things that come because for the most part, it's it's a notch above pond hockey, but it's been more pond hockey-ish. Is that a word? And so McCabe for the Sabres the other day goes to lay a big hit, falls awkwardly, blows his ACL, MCL, and meniscus out, out for I mean, eight months. All right? Gunnarsson for the Blues, out for the year. I'll tell you right now, we were watching that Vegas game last night, and that game had a bite to it. It was the last game of a four-game set. DeBoer said after the game, he changed the the lineups. But they were in, you know, looking inside the room going, what do we have to do to compete with these guys? And at the same time, send a message to them that we are here, and you're going to have to go through us. That game had a bite to it. And Alex Tuck has two goals in the game, falls awkwardly. The Byron kid, I mean – one inch to the right, believe me, Tuck's got concussion history. I mean, yeah. he's two inches away from being out. The, the, then the kid makes a big hit on Petrangelo, and Petrangelo's like, enough of that. I'm just saying, are the guys prepared for when the hits come because they've not been that physical? Maybe not. Maybe not, Brian. Maybe you're onto something there. Uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton's going to be out for a while. Frederick Anderson. Toronto's not talking very much about this. Didn't practice this morning. It looks like Hutchinson again tomorrow. Something's up with Anderson. That could be big for Toronto. And uh, Eric Carlson is going to miss some games for San Jose. Again, I, I think you might be onto something. Not prepared for these hits right now. And so that takes a bigger toll when you do get hit. And I guess my point is that if anything, and maybe it's a good thing, and everybody's kind of in that mode again, but the closer we get, the points in a regular season, we say the points in October mean as much as the points in March, but you know that sense of urgency on the back end of the season that the games change from an offensive posture to a defensive posture and the physical play ratchets up. This is only going to get really intense. Oh, yeah. And I mean, nobody really worry about how many of these guys are going to be dropping like flies. <clears throat> I Yes, I I. I Again, we're, we're starting to see it now, and you're right, Brian. It's not going to get less intense. It's going to get more intense, so the injuries will stack up now. All right, we're off to the races. Adam Burke's going to check in in our next segment, and Vinny Maliulo in our number two. We love doing this with you right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network and on Sirius Channel 204. we got a lot on the docket. Two golf tournaments this week. NASCAR goes to mile-and-a-half tracks. And NFL free agency is not that far away. There's a lot on the docket. Coming back, Vegas Sportsbook Radio, right here on Sirius Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The difference, our guest Adam Burke is going to join us from Cleveland. Right now, the lyrics would be, All the leaves are gone. <laughs> you know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, try to shoot one by me, buddy, for the most part. I'm here. 
Like it started the, out as Tom game. and Jerry. Did you know that? Their, their first single was as Tom and Jerry. Really? Yep. What was that? I don't know. There's a little pop there. Yeah. Well, that was weird. My head's rattling. Yeah. <laughs> little heads, headset arc. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Adam Burke's joining us from ATS.io here on Sportsbook Radio on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius Channel 204. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Another day at the beach. 70, what's it going to be, Stevie? 76 today? Yeah. Yeah, it's warm wow. enough. Let's make everybody mad. It's warm. I'm sorry. We're sorry, Adam. <laughs> it's all right. We're more than half of that, so I think that's okay for us. Well, the good news is all the rotten stuff that headed east came through here, so hopefully this means there's some good news for you guys in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but no, We're excited about the, some nice... Gorgeous spring weather out here at long last. All right, did Adam's podcast today at ATS.io. Now, all right, kid, this is a cheap shot. We talked before we went on to do your podcast, and, and you were going to throw some stuff at me, and then you turtled on me, and, and you, you went away from it. And, well, here's the platform, kid. Let's go. Come on, bring it on. I didn't turtle. I made an executive decision because we had to cover uh -huh. two golf tournaments this week. <laughs> no, you wanted to talk about a couple of hockey teams that you thought analytically there was something there that meant something. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, at five on five, they've gotten very lucky here so far this year that you know they've been able to cash in on some of their chances and, and opponents haven't cashed in on as many, as many of theirs. As they should have. I mean, you're know, looking at the analytics, looking at expected goals for and expected goals against. Winnipeg should be about minus eight at even strength, but they're plus two. So I look at Winnipeg as a team that I think is going to regress here a little bit in the not too distant future. They've given up 183 high danger scoring chances. They only have 133 of their own. So this is a team that's not very good in its own zone, not very good at keeping teams out of the middle of the ice, and they've overachieved offensively. So I'm looking for the Jets to uh, run into a bit of a rough patch here. Okay. Now, here's the thing. The one thing that makes sense is Winnipeg's defense is a dog's breakfast. They had to fix it last year. They didn't. There's still a lot of work to be done there. But and, and I'm okay with the high danger thing because it's one of my major bones to pick with the NHL. Shots on goal is hot garbage. All right? It's high danger chances, if that's what you want to call it, you don't get a shot on goal if you ring it off the pipe seven times in a period or you shoot it just wide. So the high danger thing I'll buy into is one of the few analytics things I would buy into. That being said, Hellebuck and Brassard are good goaltenders. And from an analytics point of view, every night for the better part of a decade, I watched the greatest goalie that ever played. And the Sabres made the final. They made the Eastern Conference final a bunch of times. They had to be one of the worst analytic teams in the history of sports. And they almost won the whole damn thing because they had the greatest goaltender. And Hellebuck and Brassard are good goalies. So there's nothing wrong if the goalie is one of the strengths of your team. And they still have firepower up front. Maybe even more firepower now with Dubois coming in. When he, yeah, when he gets right. But, I mean, I guess the goaltender is part of the equation. You know, the, the, to me, Adam... Not shoots holes in the analytics thing, but is it factored in enough? 
I mean, it, it depends on which analytics you're looking at. It depends on the metrics that you're kind of focusing in on. I, I mean, look, I agree with you that, I mean, Connor Hellebuck can fix a lot of problems with this Jets defense, and we saw it last year. And, you know, a lot of people thought Hellebuck, you know, should have gotten the Vesna with relative ease, you know, a guy that played very, very well for them. But also, too, I mean, this is a team that's overachieving on the offensive side as well. So kind of the thought process when you look at analytics is, yeah, maybe regression to the mean doesn't happen because of Hellebuck, because he's an above average to well above average goaltender. But when you look at all of the factors that kind of come together, that, you know, they probably should give up a few more goals. They probably should be scoring a few fewer goals. You know, how many games in the NHL are one goal games? You know, well, so well, well, if the Jets the wind up with some though, regressions. But what's the rationale for Winnipeg is overachieving offensively? How, how do we arrive well, at that? Their expected goals for at five on five is 29.9, and they've actually scored 36. So based on the quality of their shots, based on the number of scoring chances that they have, so on and so forth, they've cashed in a higher percentage than expected of those opportunities. Like, for example, when you look at their high danger shooting percentage, they're fourth in the NHL. So, I mean, do they have that many snipers on the roster to continue that kind of pace? I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Well, Shively, Ehlers, Wheeler, and Connor, uh, indeed, are guys that can light the lamp. I would sit there and say to you, what we watch here on a nightly basis, one of the best teams in the NHL, is Vegas. And they create 10,000 chances and have nights they can't shoot it in the ocean. I mean, to me, if these guys are finding a way to finish, and the well, I would say this to you, that analytically, and I don't know, you know how all that stuff rubs out, but they're, they're finishing because the chances they're creating – they're creating those quality chances because they're taking more of a risk than other teams do because, and that's what happened with Hashik. The Sabres, the defense would always pinch and Hashik would stop two on ones and three on ones in his sleep. So Winnipeg, it's part of the plan. They're taking chances and creating goals on the premise that the risks they're taking are worth taking because their goalie will make the save at the other end. I mean, I think it's part of the plan. Well, I think part of the thing here is that, you know, when you talk about regression candidates and when you talk about them specifically from looking at metrics such as this, I mean, you're not pinpointing one game. You're talking over a larger sample size of regression to the mean. So, you know, from game to game, there may be outliers. There may be things that do kind of stand out for one reason or another. But overall, over the long term, over, you know, whatever the sample size is that you have for what's left of that season – you would expect that team to, you know, have some regression, probably lose more often than win based on some of these metrics that are out there. So, again, I mean, all of us from a betting I, I, standpoint are trying to get to the same point, but there are just I different be, ways of looking at it. But I would be willing, willing to bend and give you the benefit of the doubt with this huge caveat. Winnipeg's going to do nothing but keep playing the same teams they're playing now. They're not playing the whole league. They're, they've got a format that's working against the, the clump of teams, the small clump of teams that are playing. Why would it, I don't know why it would regress. They're going to be facing basically the same seven teams. I mean, I think there are significant areas of regression. I mean, for example, look, they've already played Ottawa five times. 
you know, they've played Edmonton three times. They've only played Toronto once. They haven't played Montreal yet. They'll do that on Thursday night. So it's also a function of the teams that they've played, where they haven't played Toronto, haven't played Montreal. So that's another reason why you would kind of expect this regression to leak into the picture for Winnipeg, where, you know, the better teams are going to be the ones that kind of make these metrics sort of fall back into the ranges that they're supposed to be. All right. I'm open to the the discussion, and we'll find out, as you said, Thursday and Saturday, they'll saddle up and play Montreal for the first time, and we'll see if some of the things we're talking about, the first time you play a team, if that first game's not high scoring and the second one isn't an under game. These are things that have been working. This was a relatively short segment. We got the wheels rolling on the analytics thing. There was another team you wanted to talk about. Stevie, I want to get your take on this. You're sitting there looking good with your collared shirt. I want I want to get your take on this. When we come back, it's Sportsbook Radio right here on the Sportsbook Radio Network. Sirius Channel 204. Adam Burke from ATS.io, our guest on a Tuesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Radio from Las Vegas. Brian Blessing, Steven Slapshot. Our guest is Adam Burke from ATS.io. One more quick little thing on the analytics stuff. Having a couple of chuckles with our pal Adam. And we were talking specific to hockey. I just, in this sport, I think it translates. Well, Stevie, start with you because I, mean, I, I had you sitting there like a clam last segment. I think it has a place in hockey. I think of the sports, I think it's the, the least impactful, if you ask me. It doesn't tell you if a guy's got a heart the size of a medicine ball or a grape. It doesn't tell you who's winning a battle in a corner. It doesn't tell you who they're playing against. Plus, minus, guy steps on the ice as a goal gets scored. Did he have anything to do with that? Or some guy steps on the ice as a goal scored, and he played awful all night, and he ends up plus one because he happened to step on the ice when the goal was scored? I mean, you can look at these numbers – and they lead you places, but they aren't the answer. I think it's the same in all sports. I, I don't see it being a bigger difference in hockey than any of the other sports. I, I'm, I'm with you in that regard of I would look at the numbers and then you know see if I thought that it fit. And I may even try a situation where I'm, I wasn't sure. And if, I, if then, um, again, I, I, I trust my eyes. So if I try a situation and I look at it and, it, and I go, no, that's not right, that, that, then I don't go there again. I, th- I think in, in Adam talking about Winnipeg, I, I think the bigger point was they haven't played Toronto or Montreal yet. So, so again, the, the, the numbers are kind of, they are what they are. But I, I think it's a bigger factor in who you've played in that, in that situation than what the numbers tell you. Well, the fact is, though, they are going to play these teams a lot more again. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, again, so much of it comes down to the scheduling aspect. And, and I'll get back to Adam here. But the, the, it doesn't take the human emotion. It's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, I mean not, Adam's not saying it is either. But you had Calgary get embarrassed. 
I mean, but just brutally embarrassed, lose to their arch rival, Edmonton. They get destroyed. All right? Now, either they're going to roll over like dogs or they are going to come back and play this next game like their lungs depend on it, and then they go and beat the best team in the division. They went and shut out Toronto. Ottawa got absolutely embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed um, in the last game against Toronto. They get destroyed. What was I think it was 7-3. Embarrassed. Yeah. So what they do? Circle the wagons, professional pride. They beat Montreal the next night. Who's the better team? Who's the better? You know what I mean? It's, yes. it's situational things that, that override numbers sometimes. Well, Vegas more, did, more often than sometimes. Vegas did the same thing last night. I, I had guys at Don Bass ask me, what, what, what do you think of Vegas tonight against Colorado? I, you're going to get an effort. Did I know you that. Hear DeBoer's post game? We were sending a message. Yeah. And the question, you sending the message to the guys in your room or to them? He goes, both. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I knew I was going to get an effort from Vegas last night. I didn't know if they'd win, but I knew that they would be out there skating their lungs out. All right, Adam, you are a baseball guru, and you can and you get the baseball, your unbelievable preseason baseball report coming out. I want you to let folks know about that. But I would be of the mindset that the analytics in baseball, now I'm not just because I watched the movie Moneyball, but – is analytics much more reliable in a sport like baseball as opposed to hockey? I think it would be unfair for me to say that they're much more reliable simply because I use them a lot more in baseball. I'm, I'm pretty new to the analytics movement in the NHL. So as far as the degree of confidence that I have with them in hockey, I can't really speak to that. But certainly in baseball, I absolutely do. And, and I am... Definitely one who's a big believer in the analytics of baseball, a big believer in teams that embrace analytics, go all in, you know, with numbers, with the metrics movement and all of that, because we see, and this happens every single year, the teams that are well-versed in analytics get the most production and maximize their players better than teams that are not well-versed in analytics. So it is something that does definitely have a tangible impact in Major League Baseball and something that I focus on a lot, uh, not only in the MLB betting guide, but also with my day-to-day handicapping as well. All right, full disclosure, as wrong as a human being could be, was I, with the extra innings, starting an inning with a guy on second base. My mind's like, okay, you know, the visiting team's going to go up, they're going to lay a bunt down, get a guy to third, get the run and put the pressure on the team behind them to, to match that. And it never happened. Everybody went for the beginning. I've got to believe that's an analytics thing. And everybody embraced that. I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. I would have thought, you know, you're the visiting team. Let's get the lead. But it never happened. Everybody was swinging away. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. I mean, there are a lot of factors that go into that. But, you know, when you look at the percentage of times that a runner scored from third with less than two outs, it was under 50% of the time. So it was 49.3% of the time with a runner on third and less than two outs. So bunting the guy to third is far from a guaranteed run. Strikeouts are increasing every year. They've basically increased every year for the last 20 years where the K percentage is just higher. Pitchers are actively looking for strikeouts now as opposed to you know pitching to contact, letting the defense do the work, as they used to say. So you know guys are just striking out more. So getting a guy to third with less than two outs 
isn't a guaranteed run. I mean, it never was, but it was more like 55, 56% a few years ago. Now it's 49.3. So giving up and out to put a guy on third just isn't exactly the right play anymore, especially when you consider that one run may not be enough for you to win the game, whether it's in that inning or down the line. I can see the analytic numbers working a lot better in baseball. This is not the same baseball game that I watched growing up. They, they don't hit behind runners anymore. They, they don't bunt guys into scoring position anymore. When, when these guys do the shift now, the guy doesn't change what he's doing at the plate. He'll hit right into the teeth of that shift. So those numbers are going to stand up. I, I, the, the one thing that I would say is that uh, Billy Bean in Oakland got the most out of those teams that he possibly could. The goal is to win a World Series. They never won a World Series. In Oakland, I think that worked because they can't go out and get the high-priced guys like Boston or, or New York or Los Angeles. So they did the best they could by getting guys in who, who are hitting a lot of singles and they're scoring runs that way and they get to the playoffs every year. They don't win the World Series, but it's a, it's a lot of money in the, uh, in the owner's wallet that he wouldn't have otherwise gotten. So I, I, think, I think the numbers work in baseball much more than some other sports because, again, the, the, the hitters nowadays are not going to change what they do. That's why we're seeing more strikeouts. It doesn't matter anymore when it comes to contract time how many times you, you have struck out. It used to back in the day. Nowadays, they, they don't care. It, how many home runs did you hit? How many runs did you drive in? We don't care about your strikeouts. Hey, real well, quick. I mean, a, a big I, thing about it is, you know, batting average has dropped 10 points league-wide since 2017 because of the increase in strikeouts. But also, guys are simply throwing harder than ever before. And also, too, when you look at pitch usage, which I think is a really important thing for people to look at, fastball percentage last year was 50.5%. So 50.5% of the time, a pitcher threw a fastball. Compare that to 20 16, it was 56.7 percent and 2010 58.7 percent so pitchers are throwing fewer fastballs which means guys have to hit sliders and change-ups and breaking balls much more often than they used to and you swing and miss through those a lot more you get a lot more strikeouts because those pitches move more so the game has just evolved to the point where it's harder than ever to hit and that's why you don't see a lot of bunting or, or any of that situational hitting Hey, let me just jump in here while you guys were chatting. And I like going around, you take all this stuff with a grain of salt on social media, trying to make sure that this is actually a thing. Uh, but this is from the L.A. County Sheriff's. Adam Scheffler has uh, retweeted this. Uh, it says, this morning, 7, 12 a.m. from the L.A. County Sheriff's, they responded to a single vehicle rollover traffic collision, and the driver of the car was Tiger Woods. Uh, they needed the jaws of life to extricate him from the wreck, and he's been transported to a hospital uh, by an ambulance for his injuries. Now, at first blush, you're like, "Is this fake?" You know, I'm, I mean, but the social media is amazing in, in terms of how the stuff gets out there quickly. But this is from the L.A. County Sheriff's. Uh, it's been retweeted by some very credible people. So, um, and Tiger was on TV Sunday. At the LA Open, hosted the event, uh, so we'll clearly be keeping tabs with this. But that's uh, that what? Yikes! Thoughts and prayers, man. Thoughts and prayers. I mean, he just had back surgery too. So, yeah. all right. So this is 
you know, kind of unfolding as we speak. So we'll see how, uh, you know, what the update on this is. But uh, watch for that thing to be blowing up all over creation. Yeah. Well, again, my, my first thought is for, for him and his family. I, I hope, I hope it, he's okay. I, it says it was a, apparently a rollover accident and the jaws of life were needed to get him out. That's not the kind of stuff we're looking to talk about here. Uh, but we'll be monitoring that very closely. In fact, and I, we'll make the segue in the next segment. There are two golf tournaments this weekend. One's the WGC event. Uh, Adam, uh, tell them the skinny real quick. you got about 20 seconds on ATS.io and your baseball guide. Yeah, the MLB betting guide will come out on Thursday. Uh, all 30 teams previewed from a season win total standpoint, plus team futures and player futures. So a whole lot in that guide. All right, we got a whole lot more still to come. Vinny Malibu and our number two, Brian Wilson, Steve Slapshot, our guest Adam Burke, our producers, Chris Bavona. We got Scott Farrell. He's coming up at 4 Eastern on Sirius Channel 204. Our work is not done here on the Sports Beat Radio Network. Taking a timeout, coming right back with Vegas Sportsbook Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You can remember. There's only ever been one thing in your life that's been there for you. It's meant memories, family, friends. And yeah, we'll say it. Fun. Welcome to your home for talking sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back with you here on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot in Las Vegas. Adam Burns, our guest today, joining us from ATS.io. As we were going to break, literally the breaking news, and to see what's happened in the last five minutes, it happened to be spot this very quickly on Twitter as it's now just everywhere. Tiger Woods involved in a rollover car accident this morning. Uh, this is from the L.A. County Sheriff's. We're getting a mixed bag of reports. They, they say that the Jaws of Life were able to extricate him from the vehicle and that he was transported to a local uh, hospital by ambulance. Some, some people are saying he was airlifted, but the L.A. County Sheriff's are saying by ambulance. I guess you get a helicopter ambulance, like technically the Mercy Flight things. But nonetheless, th- that's... Crazy news to start the day, and he had back surgery. There was the, you know, wondering would he be able to possibly be ready for the Masters. He was on the broadcast. He hosted the event, the Genesis event at Riviera on the weekend. And he was on the broadcast, so it was in L.A., obviously. Stayed there, and now this accident. So it's hard to transition, you know, back into sports. You know, Adam and Stevie, when, when stuff like this happens, we got a couple of golf terms this week we'll get to, but, you know, clearly this this will be the news of the day, not just in the sporting world. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, obviously, first and foremost, you hope that, you know, he's okay and that, you know, uh, he'll be there for his family and all that. But, you know, there'll be plenty of time to talk after the fact about, you know, assuming everything's all right, you know, will he even golf again, having all those back injuries and, and all that to begin with, you know, depending on what his injuries are from this, too. Apparently, he was the only uh, person yes. in the car. Yes. And uh, 
it's uh, it's unclear now what caused the accident. Uh, uh, the police are investigating as to what the cause was. Well, cars don't roll over usually if they're going slow. Okay, that's fair. Or, or well, it could be as simple though as you know fiddling around with the radio or something, and and then you look up and you know you got to swerve real fast, so he could have overcorrected. And, and, and tipped it over, even though he wasn't going that fast. We'll, we'll find out. We'll see. But, but uh, again, no one else in the car, so it was just, a, it was just Tiger. And, uh, again, hopefully he's okay. I guess it must have been, I don't know if it was yesterday, because I had seen on Twitter he was golfing with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was doing like a selfie, and Tiger was behind him. But All right, we'll keep tabs on that, and uh, any updates as they come in, clearly we'll be talking about that. Again, the odd nature of transitioning back into sports. And this is always the challenge, isn't it, Stevie? When, you know, tra tragic or bad events happen, and then you have to segue back into sporting events that usually are impacted by that thing. Now, Tiger clearly wasn't playing this week, but Adam, on uh, your podcast today, there are two golf tournaments this week. We get a WGC event. It's at the concession in Bradenton, Florida. Was in Mexico last year. Patrick Reed, the defending champ, due to COVID. The event is now at the concession. The President's Cup was played there. Uh, the name derived from Jack Nicholas giving Tony Jacklin conceding a two-foot putt for the uh, President's Cup to be a draw. But the field for this event is just off the charts. Yeah, the field is incredible for this tournament. And, uh, you know, it's a par 72. It's about 7,500 yards, big, wide fairways. You know, when I was looking at this course and kind of putting together a preview, uh, both for bangthebook.com and also for ATS.io, you know, four par fives. So certainly that would help, you know, the guys that, that hit it a long way, score well on the par fives, have chances at eagles on the par fives. But small greens here for this one. So, you know, to me, I, I took a look at, at a lot of guys that play well with the irons. And as you and I were talking about on my show today, uh, we're back to Bermuda grass greens here too. And, and a lot of players just don't really like those. The guys that putt well on them love them. The guys that don't putt very well absolutely can't stand them. So it's not even just about, you know, the skills and, and about, you know, being able to get your GIRs and hit your fairways and, you know, all that. But it's also about the mental side of this tournament here where, some guys just know they don't putt well on these surfaces, and, and they're going to put themselves behind very early on. Is Cameron Smith a guy that likes Bermuda greens? I just I got he a is. feeling about this kid. I, I like the way he finished up the tournament in Los Angeles. I, I'm looking at him through this Florida swing and heading into the Masters. Yeah, I think one of the commentators from uh, Sunday's final round even said something about Cameron Smith being set up well for the Florida swing here because you know an Australian-born player plays well on Bermuda, you know, seems to have the kind of game that sets up well playing in Florida. Four straight events here in Florida for the PGA Tour. So uh, Cam Smith might very well get himself one of them. Funny thing is, when Stevie said that during the break, we did the podcast this morning, and Cam Smith was, it was kind of like a three-pack. Uh, Cam Smith thought, you know, Louis Oosthuizen was a guy you know, kind of at a ridiculous price. His game's in good order. And I think Ty Hatton at 20-1 to 1 is an overlay. The other guy... To me, he's going to win. He's not. He's going to win in the very short, not too distant future. Is Scotty Scheffler, who's on the board for this event at forty to one? When Scotty Scheffler wins, I, I use this odd 
analogy comparison maybe to what a Shoffley was a couple of years ago if Scheffler takes that next step in his career. But basically speaking, Adam, what happens, something like this. Once a guy that is constantly contending is at 40 to 1, once they win, 25 to 1 is the ceiling. Yeah, it sure seems that way, which is why I'm kind of surprised to be able to find Colin Morikawa out there in the 45 to 1 range because he's typically in that 20 to 1 range. And I know he hasn't played all that well here in his last couple of events. He was over on the European tour, so people kind of forgot about him a little bit. But I mean, Morikawa at 45 to 1 is a price that I'd have a very hard time passing up. Same thing with Tommy Fleetwood, you know, at 55 to 1. The interesting thing I saw about this course is that there's a lot of undulations on the fairways and the greens. And some of the bunkers are very deep. You know, the faces on these bunkers are quite a bit higher than where the ball is going to be sitting. So maybe kind of some European tour-ish event or elements to you know, some of these holes. So, I don't know, Fleetwood at 55-1 to 1 kind of made some sense to me. Like Fitzpatrick is in that 60-65-1 to 1 range. Uh, you know, he's a pretty good player too. The problem with this tournament, you know this as well as I do, is, you know, you got to try to find a guy that beats like, 15 or 20 of the absolute best golfers in the world that are on the board ahead of him. Well, I, I, I'm surprised by those numbers, Adam. I, I, I've got to look at, at Fleetwood and Morikawa now. Fleet, I, I love Fleetwood heading into the Masters. He always plays well there, so you would think that, you know, he'll be, he'll be gearing up for it so that he'll play well in Florida. I would think so. You know, and that's the thing about a field such as this is that, I mean, you've got some elite level players at the top and then some outstanding players that are priced at 25, 30, 35 and up to one just because of the strength of the field. So, you know, a lot of good players in this one. I think you kind of take your shots and hope you hit the right one. By the way, pictures started to come in on the Tiger Woods accident. I mean, it looks like he's a good... 20, it looks bad. 25, 25 yards off the road. Now, and it looks like it's on a side hill. Now, the, the picture I'm looking at, I, 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 I can't tell you for, did he go up the hill and it rolled over and rested there? Or could this have come from the top of the hill down to there? But uh, the, the police cars are at the base of the hill. All right, so what does the brush above the car look like? In other words, does it look like a car slid down? No, yeah, no. There's no, well, it's kind of like, like a burnt out area kind of thing. No, I mean, more likely, and then I'm speculating. More likely, he he went off the road and went up the hill, and then and then maybe when he got up into that hill, the car maybe the car rolled back down the hill. But uh, from what you're starting to see, this Adam getting maybe a better look at it. We're in a studio, but Twitter's uh, social media trying to keep tabs on this. But um, yeah, the. The cars took a beating. Yeah, it looks bad. I'm seeing on Twitter now that um, Mark, the Tiger's agent, Mark Steinberg, said that he suffered multiple leg injuries and that he's currently in surgery. Ouch. Wow. Well, first things first, health, like you said, with Stevie. But the back, notwithstanding, and now you throw the... the Leg injuries, and we had heard about that, not confirmed, but this is from his agent. Oh, by the way, I know the you, you brought it up, Stevie. This will be spoken of today at some point. Ben Hogan, yeah, right, uh, had that head on collision with a bus, and he had his legs 
mangled very, very badly. Right. He was able to come all the way back. Um, How long did it take him to get back? Was it ooh, a year it was, and a half? A while. It, was a good, yeah. it was a while. But so, it, I mean, remember the, like the one U.S. Open in searing heat, you know, walking the course. He was in like yeah, yeah. agony, but he... But, so one has to assume from the reports that we're getting so far that Tiger is not going to be playing golf anytime soon. Well, the man, if, uh, if if ever again on the tour. Well, right. It, it, I mean, if they're doing sur- some kind of surgery on his legs, it, it it's going to be a while before, if well, ever, at we the, see him at, at the moment. Thing, if that's that's the thing that you know, not life threatening. That's for the starting point. Yeah, absolutely. In, in, in yes. sincere hope that that's the case. Yeah, him back on the golf course would be. I, I would say this though. I fought the good fight with anybody who'd listen, and I had a couple of friends here in Vegas. He'll never win again, and I'm like, boy, I'll tell you, you might be betting against the wrong guy there. Yeah, I, I, I was in that camp. I, I, I thought that you know he was going to have trouble, but uh, he, he proved me wrong. He did win again. And then, real quick, Adam, there's a second event. It's the Puerto Rico Open. You get the alternate field events. There are four of them when they're staged the same weekend of the WGC. The interesting thing here, eight of the last 12 guys that have won there made it their first PGA Tour victory. And the top 10 from the Corn Ferry Tour are getting an exemption into this event. And don't kid yourself, those guys can play golf. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's... I, I, this is going to sound absolutely weird to say because the WGC field is so incredible and unbelievable, but there's a lot of intrigue to this tournament because you've got a lot of guys coming over from the European tour because they want to get set up for the Florida swing. And then of course the masters, you know, that second weekend there in April. So you've got an Ian Poulter and you've got a Thomas Peters and a Brandon Grace and Emiliano Grio and some guys in this Puerto Rico open field where I mean, the favorite is 18 to 1 because this thing is so spread out here with Peters and Bolter being the, the, the co-favorites there, at least at the book that I'm looking at. So you got a pretty darn good field here too, not to mention, you know, as you said, a lot of those guys from the Corn Ferry Tour that, you know, would love to get that first win out of the way. Is, it, is this a tournament where you want a guy who plays well in the wind? Doesn't It can get very windy there, yes, indeed. Yeah. All right, Indeed. so 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 look at that one. But you're... it's it's a, yeah, it's a tough one though. I mean, but you can swing for the fence with a bit with a you know find, dig deep for a corn fairy guy that's in good form. Adam Burke, ATS.io, buddy. We always appreciate you doing this. Tell them about the podcast you do each and every day. You got about twenty seconds. Yeah, the podcast ATS Radio Monday through Friday. Brian joins me on Tuesday, and again, uh, less than forty eight hours away from my twenty twenty one MLB betting guide. So looking forward to that quite a bit here. And I know you've been working long and hard on that. We always appreciate you taking time on a Tuesday, Adam. Thanks for joining us, bud. Thanks, Adam. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Are we going to step aside? Obviously, the Tiger Woods car accident uh, is monster news, and we'll be following that. Vinny Malula will join us in hour number two. We'll put a lid on hour number one of Vegas Sportsman Radio next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In fact, if you're not listening, it's you. It's always you. Slacker. We are the SportsGrid Radio Network.
listen, Stevie Slapshot back with you on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. And the big news that's unfolding is Tiger Woods in a rollover car accident in surgery. His agent, Mark Steinberg, says uh, suffered multiple leg injuries. He is currently in surgery. Um, you, you hope that the surgery would be, would you, would you rush someone in to surgery because of the legs? I mean, you hope that, that that's what they're working on, that it's not, there's nothing more dire than that. I hope so. I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't speculate on any of this stuff because I'm not there and I don't know. And, and obviously, the first, we hope he's okay. I don't know why, but this, just who he is and the impact it has when like something like this happens. Like, I'll never forget the Dale Earnhardt day. Mm-hmm. It was 20 years ago. And then the greatest in the sport in, in that tragic event at Daytona. And it's like, first of all, you, you go through kind of the shock of the thing, and then, then you start going through it. And um, so we're going to be monitoring this and, and monitoring Tiger's condition throughout the course of the day with more news and notes. We've seen pictures of the car. Uh, looks like it's a good 20 yards off the road on its side. It, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, Brian, how stuff – affects you that like the the the, the kobe bryant sure. sunday oh, morning that's another one it was a, it was a, and, and i am not a lakers fan i wasn't a kobe bryant fan he he was a fantastic basketball player i you know i understand that but i, I you know i'm it not made, a lakers fan so i wasn't it, a fan of his but i felt like crap all day i mean i just i felt so bad for him and his the impact they have on us, maybe we can take for granted in them as athletes, but when these kind of things happen, obviously, yikes, it gets your attention. All right, so we have a lot more on that. Vinny Maliola will join us in all of Thanks for Sports Radio. Um, Sports Radio Network. Sirius Channel 2 over. Short break, and we'll be right back. 